0: This is the Stuck Mike Avcast, an aviation podcast about learning to fly, living to fly, and loving to fly.
1: Welcome to Episode 280, where we celebrate 10 years of bringing this podcast to you and discuss how general aviation has changed in the past decade. I'm Carl Valerian. Joining me today are Victorio Nuvel and Eric Crump. Hey guys, welcome to the podcast. It's so exciting to have you here.
2: We're Gay back. Podcasting. <laughs>
1: i just so excited that we're, we've been doing this for 10 years. I, I just uh, I can't believe it's gone by that quickly, and so many things have changed over those 10 years. We're going to talk a little bit about that, uh, but I know that, Victoria, you've been with it, uh, the podcast since, what, the second or third episode, and, and Eric's been uh, been with the podcast a few years after that, uh, had some experience in some podcasting prior to that. Uh, but, it, but it sure has been an incredible journey, and one that's, that's just incredible the most important thing to me is that I've been able to share the passion of aviation, just like Eric Crump and Victoria has done, and all the other co-hosts that we've had on over the past few years.
0: Let's do the pre-flight.
1: But before we get into that, I just want you a know, quick shout-out to our sponsor. Uh, we couldn't do this 10 years of podcasting without the wonderful sponsors that we have. And this podcast right here, sponsored by... Spartan School of Aeronautics, and you can actually get a free coupon for a uh, te- one year of access to the uh, scholarships guide. You can go to stuckmycavcast.com/free and use the coupon code Spartan to actually get yourself one of those free scholarships guides. So you can, you know, maybe move your passion forward and see what the next decade of flying is going to be for you possibly by getting some hours towards your private instrument commercial cfi that type of thing now entering cruise flight we're going to talk today about how GMO aviation has changed in the past decade, both for the good and for the bad, and also how this podcast maybe has influenced us over the years. We're going to reflect on that. Uh, but first of all, I want to, before we start, I want to say thank you for listening because uh, it really has changed my life in many ways. Having uh, this podcast, uh, it's been a challenge. Uh, one of the things that we said we were going to do is never miss an episode and uh, and always be on an editorial schedule that sticks and i 'm happy to say it 's ten years later, and we have never missed a scheduled podcast date in ten years. And we've done it on the 1st and the 15th of every month. And uh, I'm really excited that uh, we've been able to do that. It's been a little bit of work. There's a lot of work put into the podcast. And it's also exciting to see all the other aviation podcasts that are out there. So I want to say thank you to all the listeners out there and all that you've done. And also for, you know, uh, all our co-hosts, Eric and and Victoria, who are here today, and all the others uh, that have joined us over the years have come and left the podcast for, for many different reasons. But today we're going to talk a little bit about some of the things that have changed over the years for general aviation and one of the things I think has been really cool is is how training has changed and uh, and I'd love to hear you know both from Victoria and Eric some some things about this. but one of the things that I really enjoy, both good and bad, is that there is more free, and paid training options. And by that, uh, good and bad, I mean, first of all, there's some really good free stuff out there. And there's some stuff out there that you have to pay for that mm, you probably could get for free on the internet. (laughs) That's a lot better. And, um, And I'd love to hear from, I know, Eric, you've in the past used a lot of different, you know free videos on the internet that type of thing and i have seen some paid options and and since you're in that industry of training i'd love to hear your your viewpoint on this about the free and paid options and and how things have changed over the past decade
2: well sure i mean i think the main thing that's changed when you look especially at free options is just the um you know the change in technology both in you know the ability to uh, stream high quality videos over the internet. Ten years ago, you couldn't do that. Um, I mean, really high quality, they're full high def, um, and 4K stuff. I mean, that wasn't that was a dream ten years ago. Um, and so, you know, the technological ability to stream it is is definitely there. Also, the um, the awesome uh, equipment that you can get in the cockpit now um, from. You know, uh, video cameras, GoPros, um, you know, wing mount systems, you know, everybody sort of became a, an amateur videographer overnight. And some of that stuff, to your point, Carl is better than some of the expensive video uh, that you can buy, um, you know, and then your ability to capture, um, you know, uh, screenshots and live stream flight simulation, uh, whether it's Microsoft Flight Simulator, X-Plane or whatever, into really take somebody on a live flight in the simulation environment um you know the the technology is is definitely increased and um i think everybody sort of part of that's probably youtube but i think a a lot of our our social media in general over the last decade has really pointed more and more and more toward video and video-based storytelling and so what better way to do that than with airplanes
1: Absolutely, I I agree. It's no better way than than with airplanes. How about you, Victoria? I know you know it's interesting. Some of the first podcasts we did and, and video things we've done were on video. Is uh, you know where have you seen this go in the past ten years? In your experience,
3: I well, have a funny story. Now this dates me back a little bit beyond the past decade, but um, I was telling um, Martha King how I first when I first saw her face, and it was on a floppy disk for the King schools uh, <laughs> training course back when I was 16 going through ground school next to my dad and um, they have switched since switched to DVDs and uh, then online. And um, I think the online courses are just amazing. I know I used sporties um, to help me through my CFI. Um, and you can find so many things on YouTube. Give your YouTube creators a lot of credit because for every minute, that's on uh, YouTube that you're watching, that's at least an hour of editing, not to mention the filming and the thought process that goes behind that. So you really have to applaud those um, YouTube creators. And I saw, I was looking up a video for something a while back and there was a uh, Old King Schools video on YouTube. It was grainy and everything and people were just applauding it. And I saw someone write, who are these people? And I was like, I have to educate the next generation of pilots. They don't know who the Kings are.
1: Wow, that that's kind of scary because I you know I learned everything from the Kings and uh, and a lot of their stuff is timeless and uh, and I love the corny jokes. I mean, absolutely wonderful. Uh, but it's interesting you said that from the different formats. Kind of talking about that here, YouTube has just opened up the world in aviation. I think it's a wonderful tool. I was I was reticent. I jumped off YouTube. I was creating on YouTube for a while. I got very turned off by it because of the nasty comments, and that's one thing that's kind of tough about YouTube and some of the online environments is that there's there's so many people that have different opinions. And one of the things that kind of scares me about the environment is the fact that anybody can have input. It's not a one-way conversation, and I'll tell you why. Because a lot of times people can make such a good argument about something that is incorrect. And I'm sure, uh, Eric, I am so sure that you have seen this happen, especially, you know, you're in the training environment in a different a collegiate environment, but there are so many really good arguments out there, aren't there? They sound really good, but they're totally wrong, aren't they?
2: Yeah, I mean, that's that's kind of the hard thing with, with, with easily consumable media, right? There's no real filter there. So, um, you know, we do have to sort of um, be a little more, Critical is the wrong word, but at least careful about um, about comparing multiple sources together. You know, as as an instructor myself, and then you know, working with a whole team of instructors, I encourage them. You know, don't just send your students to YouTube. Curate YouTube videos for your students. There's good stuff there, um, but just turning your student loose on YouTube may generate the wrong uh, outcome or just some some retraining you're gonna have to do. So it's better for us to, I think, and honestly beyond just making a, a good study resource for our students, I think it keeps us up to date with not only how things are being presented, but the technology that we're using to capture information. I think it's good for instructors to stay in there too.
1: You know, that's a great point, Eric. I, you know, I haven't really thought about that. I, I think I'm gonna start doing a list of different videos for different topics uh, that I think they do a great job because every video, there's something in the video, it's, it seems that uh, does it, it might do a better job bringing a point across. It could be just be those two minutes of that video and you just say, hey, go to this part of the video and just take a look at it because it'll really explain it well. Uh, so that that's a great example. What, when we're doing that we're doing that and we're experiencing it and it seems that when we're using videos it it helps us tremendously we're using sight we're using sound and and it really we can go back and rewind it also get introduces the the fact that we can actually have a conversation and have a conversation with that creator. And uh, one of the things that I think has been the, a great thing for aviation is YouTube and that environment. Because of that, it's open to everybody. Uh, and, and again, that it also is the minus because you have people that know nothing about aviation that start commenting uh, on your videos. And you, you really have to be careful as a creator. And I'm glad, glad Victoria, that you brought that up. As far as how much time it takes, because you know I've gotten back into the YouTube world and creating, and I do about ten minutes an hour, uh, so I can actually edit ten minutes of video in one hour. So you know, a twenty-minute wow. video, uh, you know, that's a couple of hours, you know, right there, and, and uh, so that that's a lot of time, isn't it, Victoria?
3: <laughs> oh, it's a lot. It's a lot, and I mean, my video um, editing skills are just basic. I know how long it takes for me to get something to look semi-decent. I can't believe, you know, to have several different angles. You know, there's people on there. There was one video that really helped me with my chandelles in my uh, CFI check ride. And it just was a point, one angle of one camera lens that made it finally all just click for me. And they had cameras on the wings, on the, you know, dash, everything. And the fact that you can put those all together in a video to really help someone um, is remarkable.
1: It sure is it sure is so uh, from a training standpoint I think these videos have been great the more f- there's a lot of free stuff there's a lot of good paid options out there uh, but things have really changed over the past decade and and one of the ways is through this and uh, and just like you said if you want to learn how to do Shondell, you can go out there and, and check it out um, I think I think as far as from the training standpoint, uh, more is better. There's many different viewpoints you can have on a specific topic that may resonate with one individual, and I think that's absolutely terrific, and I think we should do more of that. Uh, anyway, so what? Uh, anything else on training before we move on to the next topic of looking back in the past decade?
3: I feel like there's one staring us in the face, Carl. <laughs> podcasts. <what's>, yeah.
1: <laughs> I'm glad you said that. <laughs> but again,
2: some podcasts, you know, you gotta, you gotta filter that stuff out. I'm not mm-hmm. saying, stuck, Mike. I'm just saying. I'm um, no, sorry. That's that was a low blow, Carl. So, <laughs>
3: <laughs> well, you Thanks, know, I man. get so many comments from some of our listeners that also, you know, get get insurance through me, and they say, you know, I, I'm listening to you guys on the way to work, and it just helps me stay involved in aviation, especially during COVID. You know, a lot of people lost their jobs; they weren't able to fly. And, you know, if you're not flying regularly, you get rusty pretty quickly. And I've been there more than once myself. And just keeping involved, whether watching YouTube videos or listening to podcasts, can really help keep you in the right frame of mind that you need once you're back in the cockpit. So I just want to mention, when you're jogging or driving, and <laughs> hope you're listening to us.
2: <laughs> yeah, I, I get that a lot, too. Um, I don't. Carl may not even remember this, but, I mean, it's been years ago now. Um, I remember when I got my first listener email and I, <laughs> I called Carl on the phone and I said, Carl, <laughs> people are listening to this. And he said, yeah, I know. It's crazy, right? Yeah. I um, freaked out when that
3: <laughs> happened. They're like, oh my God, is <laughs> this Victoria when they call? And I'm like, oh no, how do you know me?
2: <laughs> yeah. I mean, and you know, people will, will come in, uh, to tour the program and, and they're like, I feel like I've known you forever. <laughs> that's, that's cool. Um you know it's it's just such a weird experience still um, I still get uh, listener emails um and I'm not as I'm not on as many episodes now as I'd like to be um i I've got to stop having babies. I mean, that would help a lot <laughs> with my free time, but um, that's a whole other story for another day but um anyway i I still you know people are still listening to old episodes, yeah you know, and people will. Send me an email and say, "Hey, I, I listened to this podcast you did four years ago." I'm like, "Oh, I hope I didn't say anything that I want to take back now." Um, but uh, anyway, yeah, that's that's still nuts to me. Um, it it really, um, I mean, I know we're talking about consumption, but from a from a reflection standpoint, it is so cool to me that people listen to this and and beyond that, take the time to actually write an email and say, Hey, that was helpful. Or, Hey, I have a question or what I just think that's so neat uh, to get to interact with people because a lot of, I mean, we know each other. We've, we, we talk to one another. Um, and this, uh, the podcasting thing is a lot, of it's us talking to one another. Right. Um, and it's so neat. Um, you know, sometimes that fourth wall comes down and you, there are actually people out there listening to it, which is, that's still, it's still cool to me uh, 10 years later
1: it oh man i tell you it's interesting you you brought that up about that and and this is more of a reflection show so um our most popular shows and i know people ask us this question all the time and i don't i don't like to share numbers too much but our most popular shows are when we relate information and we relate information and help you in some way um, when you're listening and i think that's really important that's something i kind of wanted to say at the end is that you know, hey, we're, we're going to keep doing that. We're going to keep trying to give you information that you can use to help you. And both in, in a learning perspective, but also uh, from a, a loving-to-fly perspective uh, and and how we can live in this environment. And I think that's incredibly important. And so that's what we're doing. That's our focus. Um, and I get it. It makes sense. When we're teaching you something, you're going to have have more downloads. And and it really has reflected in, in what's happened over the years. Uh, and over the months and and the other thing too and i didn't realize this um and i've learned and this is some of the things i've learned is the live shows oh my gosh they do so well um we're gonna keep doing those because gosh you know just from what people say hey i couldn't make it to this event say it's sun and fun but i was able to listen to everything from the downloads but uh just from a 10-year perspective we've had uh I'm just looking at the numbers right now, just from strict downloads. Now, this isn't all listens, but just strict downloads. We've had over we've had 1.4 million downloads uh just in those 10 million? years. Millions. and that it, yeah, and that's, that's actually insane. It is, <laughs> it, and we really. I, How and many I, of those are you and me, Victoria? And, <laughs>
3: <laughs> How many were I? <laughs>
1: And I really, you know, I appreciate everybody listening, but it, it really, we have to always kind of up our game and and make sure we keep doing this and, and bringing contact. Because I honestly, and, and this is something I probably don't admit much in the podcast world, but I actually don't listen to aviation podcasts much. I listen to a lot of aviation shows or more financial shows than I do aviation podcasts. And I think the, one of the problems is when you're producing these and spending all those hours editing, I don't have time to, to listen. I wish I could. And the only time I get to... To listen to podcasts is the actual podcasters when I meet them at events. So it's uh, there's just so many hours in the day, and I really appreciate uh, people taking the time to, to listen to this. So, um, but you're right, podcasts are wonderful. Keep listening to them. Another thing that I found, um, and I'm going to get into this later, is one of the things that I like is some of the podcasts that do video podcasts, but also translate them into audio. Uh, we've been doing that a little bit more, and it's really been helpful to some people because some people like to consume it in two different ways, and we'll keep doing that for you. Um, one thing I do want to mention on the training aspect of it, I don't know if we mentioned this much before we move on to the next thing, is is just the fact that simulation has really come a long, long way uh, in the past 10 years as far as, uh, you know, virtual reality but uh, talking on air traffic control while you're in a simulator uh, and the processing speeds have helped and and the just the technology has helped incredibly well that's for sure uh, but uh, but as far as that's concerned i was wondering maybe uh, eric you could comment on on the whole simulation because you really use simulators a lot you know obviously through that flight school
2: yeah i'm a big fan of simulation um obviously for a whole lot of reasons but um i think you know, everybody goes to cost and cost savings, which is completely fine. It does it, it done right. It does save you quite a lot of money. Um, but it's it's more uh, than the cost to me. It's the, the depth of training we can explore in simulation that in some cases is just not safe to practice in the airplane. Like for example, um, we all know the effects of, uh, you know, icing on general aviation airplanes. And general wisdom is, we'll just avoid icing, which that totally makes sense. Yes. If your plane's not rated for known ice, please stay out of icing. It's simple. Except that, you know, there are times when, you know, we, I tried to avoid the ice, but I found myself in it anyway. Um, understanding, you know, techniques and strategies for how to manage that situation and, you know, what what should I expect? What's going to happen when I put the flats down? I know, I've heard I'm not supposed to, but you know, in simulation, we can demonstrate that we can load the airplane up with ice, and we can let you get slow and turn and try to put the flaps down and watch what happens, and and provide a, a training environment that, quite frankly, we just it's just completely unsafe to do that in the airplane. Another obvious example is a split flap. So, you know, I feel like a broken record every time I tell a student, you know, no flap if you're turning in the pattern, your hand should not be on the flap handle. The flap should not be moving. We Wings level, then we can apply flaps. Because if you're in that turn, and that seem, that's that's the raw moment when you decide one of the you no know, product or whatever, and you know, it's an electric flap, the flap motor sticks, that's not the time when you're low and slow, and one flap stops and one keeps moving, that you want to be in that airplane. But we can't practice that in the airplane, because we, we don't want to break the airplane to practice it. But in the simulator, we can. We can show you what that's like. And so... I think those more realistic, deep, important learning experiences are a lot of the value uh, value added from simulation. It's not just money; it's it's also what and how we can teach.
1: And those simulations have gotten better, let's say, and more realistic. And I think that's terrific too. Just like you were talking about the split uh, flap situation. Well, yeah, talked- and look
2: at what you can do at home, right? I mean, oh, just, yeah. you know, with X Plane, Microsoft Flight Simulator. I mean, these these the technology in your house. Uh, much less go into the flight school. I mean it's it's there and it's it's so much more available um, you know, no matter what you're running, um whether you've got your, you know, full on seven thirty seven cockpit build in your house or, you know, it's a laptop with a joystick. I mean there's there's value in all of that, again, when it's done the right way.
1: Yeah, absolutely. You know, we talk, again, talking about uh, training a lot here because that has changed so much over the years. Uh, but there's some other things that I really want to kind of go into as far as pointing out what has changed. And one of them that I really think is is incredibly important is aircraft safety. Uh, aircraft safety for your family um, and uh, also uh, aircraft safety for ourselves. And we, we really want all these aircraft to be safer for ourselves, our family, and our friends when we fly. And one, one thing that's come about, and I know there's, a lot of people that argue this is, you know, the proliferation of the parachute, um, you know, the ballistic recovery system or BRS. I I, my, I, was not a big fan at first, but then realized, you know what, I am a fan now. And the reason I'm a fan, because I know people that it's helped save their, their lives and or uh, possibly from injury. I didn't like them at first because I was like, gosh, I'm not so sure because I was typical of anybody with something new. It's like, I'm not so sure about this. But now the numbers are in. It's a great thing. And you're seeing more of it. And not just the, you know, the Cirrus that we talk about, but in many different aircraft. And I think it is helpful in certain situations. And I think, you know, Victoria, I don't know if you've ever had somebody that's actually, I know you do some insurance and stuff like that. Uh, But have you ever heard of a, a shoot, pull in one of your clients or or can you not talk about that
3: no um i I don't ever have to name names not one of my personal clients but we um there was a major uh, there was a midair at frederick airport a few years ago and a shoot was pulled and saved their lives unfortunately the airplane they hit the helicopter they hit they didn't make it but the uh the cirrus um it did save i believe two people's lives because of the shoot right Right. So, but they're thankful they got an airplane with the chute because can you imagine if they didn't what what the outcome might have been?
1: Yeah, we all we all think as pilots we can get out of anything. Uh, there are situations that that'll be a little bit tougher, uh, especially when you lose a flight control uh, mm-hmm. or you lose control of the aircraft. Having that that ballistic recovery system is terrific, and you see that more and more light sports and all our. Are having those systems installed so uh, it also uh, aircraft that part of safety safety is both real and perceived having that shoot in the airplane also I think opens it up to a lot of uh, people in the perception of safety in the aircraft uh, so that we can bring more people into the aviation environment uh, and I think that's terrific too in other words our friends or family will will consider getting into the aircraft I think Uh, More than they would if it didn't have one so that that's kind of a big bonus in in my mind as far as the the ballistic recovery system Um, The other thing too that in my mind and and then you guys can kind of add to this as far as aircraft safety is the increase in the moving maps on the aircraft Um, so in all aircraft in the actual moving map in the aircraft and that it kind of sounds weird that I'm mentioning that but Think about this. Over the years, I've seen people upgrade their aircraft to just put a, a simple Garmin uh, in their aircraft that has a moving map with terrain, with ADS-B. I mean, imagine that. You have a map. shows you where you are. It also shows where the terrain is, and it can tell you where some of the other traffic is that's using ADSB. Uh, that is absolutely phenomenal. I know when in the airlines started using TCAS, uh it actually that traffic and collision avoidance software, that actually helped us so much in knowing what's out there, especially out over the ocean. And now for the first time ever I got to use an ADSB over the ocean, I was like, Oh my god, I can I actually know who that other person is and I can reach out to them and ask that flight, Hey, how's the weather? Uh and it's just it's phenomenal. Uh, to have all these different resources, and I remember you know it back in the day you know in the day where you, you didn 't have this you didn 't you had to chart uh, you had to cross check radials uh, you couldn 't just look up and say on the map that 's where I am, and those maps have actually migrated to our iPads, so we have so many different facilities that we can use so that that we don 't you know get lost that type of thing so Eric, this must be great, especially for you in the training environment, so no one ever gets lost i 'm assuming. <laughs> never, <laughs> never.
2: <laughs> you know, but like, and, and we've we've had this conversation about ADSB and, and technology before, and I really, I really, really enjoy having this conversation with Bill. Um, but you know, there there's a strong argument, in my opinion, to be made for um, for manual skill, whether that is hand flying or whether it's um, hand planning. Um, And so, and maybe that's just me being old school. It's certainly possible that that's just me being old school. But I think that it's important that we don't become so reliant on this technology, even even safety-related technology. And I'll use the BRS system as an example. Um, What an awesome aid. It's proven, and we've seen, all of us have seen cases where people have been kept alive because of this system. But if you over rely on that system and, and your ability to use it, you may take chances that you wouldn't otherwise maybe take because you're like, well, if you know everything goes down the toilet, it's all right. I'll just pull the chute. Um, and so I think there's a there's an importance there that we still we still hold on to those. You know, fly the airplane. <laughs> um, what's it doing? What's it going to do next? That we're still plugged into that. And I think the over reliance on it can be an impediment to safety. Even though it, the technology in and of itself is a, an improvement to safety, over-reliance on it or um, over-reliance on, it, on that technology with lack of knowledge and experience in using it can also be an impediment to safety
1: yeah I'd have to agree. it sometimes leads to complacency based on using some of this technology that you know is going to keep you out of trouble. I think that that's a good point uh and we we have to keep ourselves in the loop and so even though these systems are great and they've they've added to safety incrementally uh it also may in some cases reduce that that environment, the safe environment, by us uh, not paying attention, et cetera, uh, and, and becoming over-reliant on those systems. Uh, so there's a two-prong to that. I think overall, yes, it's done a better job, but uh, it may, it may for in some cases, lead to the possibility of some more risk-taking, uh, and like to your point, and I think that's a great point to be made. So uh, as far as the aircraft safety, uh, I think, too, and the one thing I didn't mention is also designs. Uh, some of these new designs that have come out over the years uh, that are, are spin resistant and, uh, you know, that actually are better in an accident. There are certain designs uh, that are designed when they actually are in an accident to prevent certain damage, fire, that type of thing. And I think that's actually a, a, a wonderful thing that's happened over the years is the engineering is, has, has just increased tremendously. Uh, and I, one of the things I kind of look at is like a diamond. And I know, I, I think, Eric, you have a little more experience with a diamond. But when I first got introduced recently to that, I was like, wow, uh, this this is an incredible aircraft as far as safety is concerned.
2: And it's incredibly fun to fly. I love the I love the twenty and the forty. I've still gotta find somebody who'll let me in a forty two. Um, but I'll I'll figure that out at some point. But yeah, I mean they're just they're they're incredibly well designed. Um, and I think especially for the training environment, I've flown several aircraft with with the canopy layout and you just you you can't say enough for that level of visibility. Um the um the ability to really be able to scan without interruption across the panel um great um great stuff
1: yeah that's for sure well that's as far as design and and aircraft safety that's terrific but terrific also Included in that, and, and ADSB is one of them, is our system safety. I mean, I think there's, it's absolutely incredible this this air traffic control system, or and the the aviation system in general, how much safer it has become through better design and and better engineering, from the person that's designing the approaches to the person that's designing our airports to the person that's actually giving us more information and putting into that ADSB. Uh, the, the information that I want to see, like the weather, um, and understanding how to interpret that weather and the and the products that are put out there to train us. I think that is absolutely terrific, too, that that system safety, both from the FA standpoint, from an online computer standpoint, from an iPad, you have so many weather reporting and products. Uh, I just, I, I can't, there's days I sit there and say, oh my God, look at what I can find out on my ipad i feel like i'm my own weather briefer almost i can get so much information right here it, it's just absolutely phenomenal i used to actually walk into a room and they would have charts on the wall and you would talk to a weather briefer and they would tell you you know about the weather and you'd have to you'd call them on the radio whereas now i can have that right on my ipad You're Maybe, old, old. i was gonna say i just sounded so old when i said that didn't i Holy cow! Um, Sorry, but, I had to. <laughs> I mean, I
2: was. I would like to point out, Carl, that I'm not the one who said it first. That Victoria's the one who said it. Thank you, Victoria. Um, but, yeah, I was sitting I know there my listening to this there. explanation, going, "Man, he's old." And then Victoria had to go there. So that's. So, so yeah, I remember the dial-up system in the airport. Yes. Um, mm-hmm. I remember that where. You went in and you actually had to take the phone and put it on the little modem thingy and let it dial into the system to get to Duots so you could get a text weather briefing. I do remember that. Um, you don't that remember the crazy. briefers? Was that before and I you started thought, Man, my
3: training? It was all Duots. Wow.
2: Yeah, that is incredible. Wow. You didn't even have to talk to a briefer, you know, and then you had uh, that really. Garbage computer at the FBO that um, had whatever whatever insanely expensive weather subscription that they paid for, and now all that information is for free, you know, on on ads, you know, just <laughs> it's it's amazing to me. I mean, but airports FBOs had these super expensive subscriptions, I don't know, hundreds of dollars oh, yeah. a month to get weather information on a computer, you know, in the FBO, and now everybody everybody has that information, and a lot of it is uh, for free. Oh, you yeah. could
3: just download it to your iPad, too, on ForeFlight, if you like, and sit there in flight plan and have it all just at the snap of your fingers.
1: And another thing to that point is the fact that you have so many versions of it. You know, I, I have like five different versions of weather that I look at and from different angles on different products, and it makes this incredible picture uh, for me when I'm actually planning and it's just amazing all the different products that we have out there, which is abso- absolutely terrific um, I do miss I will say okay. I'm gonna show my age again I do miss talking to the actual weather briefer walking into the room and saying hi to the person that's behind the desk and Some of those conversations are absolutely phenomenal because sometimes it became a lesson in weather, so that's part of it that I miss. But now those people, you know, they can put that on YouTube, which is uh, another new technology that we have. Uh, that's made, you know, I, it's made them obsolete. But I, I really think that uh, one of the things that we need to do is consistently remember where we came from, uh, as far as in weather and weather reporting, and uh, and just be appreciative. where we are that's a
3: really good point like how much has our lives changed because of technology over the past 10 years you know think of your iPhones and how we're not that connected um, anymore because we're always on our screens I I really think that would have been really neat to have just like a weather expert at your airport to discuss things with we should bring those back
1: absolutely absolutely there is some technology though I will say I don't ever want to see again one that I used often was Loran and uh that wasn't quite as oh, man uh, you know as wow. a- accurate oh what, what now eric i
2: have i have loran ptsd carl like <laughs> we can't even talk about loran. <laughs> I, I i remember as an instructor trying to explain loran to people and they were like wait a second now this was after gps right and so you knew what a vr was and knew what gps was and students would be like why did you ever use that? <laughs> well, at the time, it seemed great. I mean, you know, I don't, you don't find many um, Betamax players anymore or even VHS players anymore. But at the time, they seemed great, you know? I mean, so, um, but yeah, I, Loran, man, wow, that's, that's taking it
1: back. Yeah. Yeah. And it, it's, again, it's something else that was just a, a terrific tool, I thought at the time. Yeah. Um, you know, and ADFs and all that, and NDB approach, they're all gone. But I I think, uh, like I said, I think we've really made leaps over the past 10 years, uh, seeing those all kind of drop off. Loran, of course, dropped off a little before those past 10 years, probably two decades ago or so. Uh, but those are the kind of things that I think are absolutely terrific. But I think, to me, uh, and this is personal, uh, the, the weather and the traffic have been the biggest thing and the biggest advancement for me in the past 10 years. The thing that I've really gotten to enjoy uh, the most and has made me a safer pilot because of the information that i've been able to get obviously the terrain information that's been around a little longer than that but really the weather is a huge one for me let's move on to the next thing we talked about system safety um and we talk about learning to fly living to fly and loving to fly one thing that i really think is important is including everybody in this environment of flying and to this day Things are changing for the better, but we have a long way to go to try to include everybody into the environment of aviation. I can't tell you how many people still at, ask me or tell me they can't uh, they can't fly because they're X, Y, or Z. They have a certain background. They they're glass. They have glasses. Um, those type of things. We are doing a better job of including more people and sharing that dream of flight with everybody because there's so many cool organizations and clubs and social organizations out there that keep telling us that and I think that is absolutely awesome um and we could do better but we are I think we're we're getting better I really think in the past 10 years from my perspective we have made Huge leaps towards including more people in aviation, uh, and in the next ten years, I am incredibly hopeful as far as seeing more people brought into the world of aviation through events like Victoria. If you, you remember the first time we met at an event, uh, and you can why don't you tell us what that event was, and and you can kind of tell us how we met also. But that really was an <laughs> amazing environment.
3: I I just moved to Frederick, and I didn't know barely anyone, and I got into my head that I was going to introduce a bunch of ladies who haven't been in small airplanes before to flying, and it was a part of Women of Aviation Week, which I did did for four or five years, and it was incredible. Uh, We had like 197 women fly in one day, I believe, thanks to 30 volunteer pilots and a lot of other volunteers on the ground, and I was so busy this wonderful man named Carl finally came up and so we could meet in person. And I said, here, take this chair over there. And I, pu- I put him right to work. I don't even think I shook your hand or gave you a <laughs> no. hug at first.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Hugs came later, that's for sure.
3: Yeah, and I just was in the delegating mood.
1: <laughs> but in doing that, though, we had had a great event. And that was kind of one of those many events that springboarded uh, more in inclusion in aviation because uh, that was getting more women involved and girls in aviation involved. I think that was terrific. And I uh, think,
3: you know, at that time we were at 6% of pilots were women. It has risen. I think we're at 7% now. Mm-hmm. So I'd like to think I have a small part in that.
1: Yes, you did. You did have a part in that. I think everybody does. Everybody has mm-hmm. a part. And, and obviously, you know, Victoria, that you're a good example. Um, you know, people will see you and say, hey, I look like you and I'm like you and I if she can do it, I can do it kind of thing. And I think that's terrific. And that's why it's so important for us to keep doing that. And things like this. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, and uh and I remember too, there's one other event I thought that really for me was kind of a seminal event as far as it does this really work? I mean this podcasting thing, sometimes you just don't see people was and, and Victoria, you have to remind me, it was at one of the Sun and Funds, there was a young redheaded girl that came up to you and that i just watched that and i was like oh my god this really is working and maybe you could kind of relate that event to us
3: um there was a gentleman i think i knew him from like facebook or twitter and he said i'm here at sun and fun with my daughter i told her all about you and turbo and i just really would like her to meet a woman pilot and she was what four five maybe she was young and she was the cutest little thing and i was working on the sun and fun deck and i forget who was actually on we were recording live and i snuck her up on the deck and had her sit down on the chairs and put the headset over and i just talked with her for about 10 minutes after that and oh i left feeling so good and there's some pictures out we'll have to share one of the pictures Mm -hmm. um in the post. But yeah, I mean, I don't think I would have become a pilot if it wasn't for my father. It wasn't something that was ever on my radar. I didn't know any pilots. My dad hadn't flown since I was born. And, you know, usually, I think a lot of us females, I can think of another friend that she just got her, um, she's working on her CFII. She only knew that, you know, it was possible to be a pilot for fun, um, you know, or that there were females that flew because of a bo- ex-boyfriend of hers. So it really just takes someone to say, hey, this is a possibility for you. You don't have to push it on them, but just let them know that they're welcome. And hopefully this little girl uh, knows that she's welcome.
1: I think she does, especially through your example, especially through some of the examples that are made through other organizations that are out there. Uh, no matter what their background. And I absolutely love all these different organizations that, that cater to certain groups of people. Uh, and people say that, well, it kind of pigeonholes you, it's not very inclusive, but it is. Because when people of, of say, the same gender or the, the same background, the same country get together, they can relate stories, and through that, they can inspire each other. And And I think that's absolutely terrific, and what that does is it grows the whole industry. And, uh, and we are seeing that, and I think, and I would love to hear Eric speak towards this, because I personally have seen, just in the environment with the younger folks that are starting up, it seems, um, empirical data only, that there are a lot more uh, young females getting involved in in aviation.
2: So today, the the day of this recording, um, we did eight new student visits today, um, which is a lot for one day for us at Polk State College. But um, of the eight... Six of them were female. Awesome. Um, yeah. And I think it's – I mean, I definitely see the change. I've seen the change. Um, I, ironically, we were talking about this before we started recording. You know, Polk State Aerospace didn't exist 10 years ago. Um, I moved um, to Winter Haven and, and Lakeland area to start the program in September of 2012. Um, and then the program turned on in January 2013. Um and early on, our demographics looked like the traditional aviation program or flight school demographic. I mean, it was, you know, a lot of a lot of guys. Um, um, and over time, what's happened is um, there's just we we didn't try. We didn't actively go and recruit Um, uh, to try to be inclusive we just opened the doors and said if you have questions come in and talk to us like we just we just tried to just to Victoria's point we just tried to make aviation accessible to people we just tried to show them that it was a possibility that it was something they could do we invite a lot of um high school middle school groups uh, but before covid obviously to, to come on field trips and to come to the building and And sit down and talk to us, and and it's the students that come in and lead this. And to your point, Carl, they see people that look like them. They see people that look like them, that came from the same places that they came from, who've overcome some of the same challenges that they're dealing with in their lives. And I think that's what what moves the needle. Um, It's that it is – it's not forced inclusion. It's not like – you, I'm going to strap you to this wall until you become a pilot, so that we can say we have whatever percentage of whatever it is that we're looking for. It's not that it, that's that's not going to do anything, um, but just the this the access. Just saying this this is for everybody. Um, come and try it. Um, try a discovery flight. Um, and I think it's I, I tell people before they go on discovery flights all the time. Um, you're either going to love this or you're going to hate it. I've never seen anybody get out of an airplane for the first time and go, "Eh," you know. I mean, it's not, there's the, nobody's just kind of like, "I mean, it was okay, I guess." I mean, it's you're either on fire, how do I get back in this airplane, or you go, "You know what? That's not for me." And I think that's opening that opportunity up is is super important. Um, and being being inclusive, like I said, not not from a, a from a forced standpoint, but from a from a legitimate. I'm sure you have questions. This is an airplane. You have to be interested in this. What what questions do you have and how can I help you? And I, that's been the biggest uh, needle mover for us. Um, and it's really encouraging to me to see when new students, particularly when new female students come for tours, um, our female flight instructors, our other female pilots, they see them and they immediately identify with them. Hey, how are you doing? Why, why are you here? Um, and, you know, what's your background? I mean, they just immediately, they're happy to see somebody. And then the person who came for the tour is really happy to see somebody like them. And I didn't tell them to be that way. I, I didn't tell them to be that way. I just said, let's just, just be about everybody. And and that just, it happens It happens organically. It can happen organically.
1: When, you know, Eric, one thing I, I love about uh, what's happening in aviation is we talk about certain people as far as, race, gender, et cetera. But then there's the shadow demographic that really appeals to me, obviously, because you know my dad's an immigrant, had no money when he came to this country. It's that demographic where they are people that have struggled financially, have been not able to get off, say, welfare, and then look at the fact that this aviation thing, that's something they can't do. But it, that whole part of a society actually has this available to them, this dream of flight. But the way they have to do it is overcome just this little hurdle of money. And it really is just that little hurdle, uh, if you look at it that way, because you can do it. And there's other people out there that are we can use as examples. And that's one thing I loved. That's kind of the biggest reason I got involved with Polk State, is that it enabled people to come from all these different backgrounds and become successful even though, like with my dad and, and our family, they said, hey, you know, you can't do that. You're going to be delivering pizzas the rest of your life, but actually become successful in saying, yeah, I can do this because there's other people just like me who've done it and in that in that whole demographic, and I absolutely love that. It's one of those shadow demographics. It's one of those things that we don't see much because it's, it's, it's not very physical, um, but it's something that we can – we can actually relate to people, and, and I know Eric. Gosh, you you probably have had a lot of experience with that whole that sector of of the the student population.
2: Yeah, we've we've worked with students who, you know, came to this country um, with a couple of suitcases, and that was it. That's that's all they had. They had no money in their pockets when they got here. Um, I've worked with single parents, single moms, single dads who are trying to provide for their family and trying to obtain a career where they can provide better for their family. Um, we we've seen folks who've gone on cross countries and I think I've told this story here before, but every time I tell it, it's like Victoria's uh, little girl story from sun and fun. It just, it puts me on fire to go back to work and, and do this again. But, um, we had a student who went on a, on a long cross country for their commercial and, um, he he comes running in my office and he goes, "I just flew to Macon, Georgia," and I was like, "That's great. <laughs> Macon's nice. <laughs> I'm proud of you." Um, but he was really excited about it, and I just couldn't, I couldn't figure out what was why he was so excited. And I said, it "Was did something happen, or did were you did the view just blew you away, or what was it?" And he said, "No, that's the first time I've ever left the state of Florida." And the first time I ever left the state, I flew myself there. And it just, I just stopped in my tracks. I was like, I mean, just things that you just take for granted, Um, you know, because we are right in the center, you know, we are a little ways away from other states, I grant you. But this, this guy never left the state of Florida before, he'd never been outside the state boundary of Florida. And the first time he left the state, he flew himself to another airport by himself. And, and he was so proud of himself, as he should have been. But um, it's that kind of stuff, like uh, like you're talking about, Carl. It, like, when I when I hear about those things or I, I understand, I get to know the students um, and the stuff that they're going through, um, it's really inspirational to me. I know it inspires other students, but it really inspires me to double down on what I'm doing.
1: I think it should double down all of us, on what we're doing, trying to include people. And... One, I really think that we need to do more of this and and have these discussions to include more people into aviation and and to the point, One of the reasons it's great to get involved with these organizations, whether it's women in aviation, you know, the Jewish Pilots Associations, OBAp, the Organization of Black Airline Pilots, uh, the Gay Pilots Association, whatever it may be, we can relate stories to each other. And, you know, I've been called those names that, you know, I would never repeat. So have we all. And what we can do is in this very safe environment, we can talk to each other about that and say, hey, you know, this person, you know, called me X, Y, and Z. How do you handle that? And and that's a great thing to relate and to be able to voice that and to realize that, you know, we're, we all have these emotions, and and we all are, are, can be quote unquote delegate in in some way, um, but we also need to understand that we can overcome that and the biases of people. And there's towards everybody. And that's what's wonderful about all these organizations and the fact that this aviation environment has become so much more inclusive because of those organizations and hats off to them. I think they've done a great job. Uh, and I'm not going to name any because they're all out there. There's so many of them. Just look at your, your, your background and put in whatever it is pilot organization and you're probably going to find it whether it's the western michigan pilot organization or the alaska pilot organization or the black Pilots association you'll be able to find it which is really really cool uh but uh but yeah anyway anything else on the inclusivity i think i think really the point being is is we've actually come a long way we have more to go but i'm really excited about it and I, i think we all should be On to the next topic, Uh, social media we talked about a little bit uh, as far as how things have changed, Uh, the podcast, YouTube, and all that kind of thing out there. I will say uh, the one comment I wanted to make on the whole social media thing is that uh, there's so many people out there making making content uh, that no matter who you are, you have to continually try to make yourself better, and that's the great thing about social media and the great thing about you know, all this, this, this things that are out there that they're sharing is they are getting better. But also on social media, you have to be like we talked about, we have to be careful in, in what we say, because it can actually turn us off to aviation too, in some of the comments that people say on online. And, uh, and so that has changed dramatically. It's also it's grown so much. Uh, but it's also benefited us because of the fact that we've been able to go out there. And, uh, and actually, you know, reach out and, and say to people, hey, I've got this problem. Can you help me? There's so many groups online. Uh, there's groups on scholarships. There's groups on learning to fly. Just just some phenomenal stuff out there. Uh, but uh, any comments on social media before we move on to our next very important uh, ending topic here?
2: The only thing I will say is that that's the reason I got to meet you guys, um, social media. It's, I, know, Same I met here. Carl through Twitter first. Um, I met Victoria... Actually, I met Victoria through social media. I was a podcast listener and I met Victoria through the show, which I had heard and then through social media and then it was sort of surreal being on the show and talking to Victoria because I had listened to Victoria. I was one of those people like I know you <laughs> um, and then you know it was years Victoria till we actually met yeah. in person right I mean yeah. years and years like
3: <laughs> but you know but you know them you're like, hey, I know that name, I know that person because I know when um i first learned to fly i didn't know any other pilots i didn't go at the airport and hang out i didn't have pilot friends but i had a like a group of people that i've never met you know from scattered all across the united states and the world on like twitter and instagram and you know that those were my pilot friends and those those are the people who shared my victories and knew what i was going through
2: and it's crazy to me too a lot of those Friendships that I made through social media, starting with this podcast, and just you know, over time, just growing that network of people. Um, like we're still friends. I mean, di- I mean, digital friends. A lot of them I I still haven't met. Mm -hmm. Um, but you know, they, they they'll have a baby and I tell them congratulations and they post pictures. And then I posted our birth announcement that we were having Wilson and it's just bombarded by these people that like, this is so crazy. Like, it's so cool that you're having your first boy and all this stuff, the things you would have conversations you'd have with the people that you grew up with and that you lived with your whole life. And you're having these conversations with people. That you you have shared years and years of of experience with it's kind of wild even though you never met each other and that's that's how I, I I met Carl through social media and then we finally met on the Sun and Fun Radio deck um, that's, how I, I met um, that's how I met Sean it's how I met Tom Frick it's how I met Bill it's how you know it was. It was this digital method first, um, and then a lot of, like I said, a lot of these people I still haven't met, and I still feel just as close to them as some of the people I went to high school with.
3: And when you meet in person, I bet it's just so easy. I just, I remember the first time I met Tom Frick, because his voice is just so deep. <laughs> <It is. laughs> and I remember turning yes. around and being like, I hear Tom, where is he? <laughs> that must be Tom Frick. Yeah. Yes.
1: <laughs> yeah. You know, one of the people I haven't met yet, and we kind of did this a little bit, because... Uh, and we talked about this before the show uh, because we were going to get together, is uh, is Rick Felty. Yeah. Um, this is 10 years and, uh, of podcasting with Rick, and I've never met him. Victoria, have you met him in person?
3: No, I have this theory that he actually doesn't exist. Like yeah. he's not who he says he is. Computers like
2: awesome. Yeah. He's He drives a Rick puppet, but he's actually like a maybe an alien or something. He drives. Yeah. He drives a Rick puppet. I yeah. like that.
1: I, I will say Rick's been a, a an incredible influence for me, uh, just in what he's done in video. Uh, you know, he kind of was doing all that multi-angle videos and in airplanes many years before a lot of other people got into it. And that he's very talented. He does a, a, almost all the editing for this podcast. Comes up with some incredibly creative ideas. Uh, just a real, real smart guy when it comes to this type of thing. And uh, it's been—he's very appreciated, that's for sure. And he's—he's he's the person behind the scenes. He hasn't been flying as much. Uh, he's very interested and still loves aviation. But like a lot of us, you know, it kind of goes by the wayside. But keeps involved, obviously, through this podcast, which I think is—is is really, really cool. Um, but you know, again this this podcast, um, Stuck Mike Avcast has really changed us tremendously, I think. Um, it's changed me in the way I've looked at life and my and it's really influenced my aviation world. You know, I went kind of over the deep end and I wound up saying to myself, Well, there's another thing out there that people aren't talking about and it's something that I'd done for over a decade and that's aviation careers and helping people I wound up actually doing a whole another podcast called Aviation Careers Podcast, and and that actually turned into a business where we help people get hired by the airlines. Um, and you know, we're right now we're recording this uh, in May of 2021, and uh, things have changed dramatically. And it's uh, it's a business that you know I work on eight days a week because it's so busy right now. But that has how it's influenced me. But also this part of it where we're trying to promote general aviation is so important because we are trying to sell this to the same people and and introduce it to the same people that are going to do other things like golf sailing uh jet skis all the type of things that are out there uh in recreational shooting that kind of thing that they're they're going to be introduced to those things and say hey why should i fly and what we need to do is introduce them to that dream of flying and that's kind of what we're doing here at, at Stuck Mike Avcast. And and that's what we should all be doing is trying to introduce people and, and influence other people's lives. So as far as me, and I'd like to do a roundtable talk about this, but you know how Stuck Mike has influenced my aviation experience, uh, it's made me do a couple things. Number one, realize that we truly are all ambassadors for aviation in this industry. So we have to be careful. The words we use uh, in front of all the people that are involved in aviation try to not talk about the you know the war stories that are in mixed crowds try to to promote the fun stuff promote the safety of aviation that's something that has kind of changed in my life uh, as far as how i relate to people but mainly you know make it that welcoming environment because that was one of the things that that i had seen specifically through this podcast on my own but really in this podcast that it really wasn't quite as welcoming, but it's getting much better uh, in aviation. Uh, Victoria, I'd like to hear, you know, how, how has Stuck Mike influenced your aviation experience?
3: Ooh. It's, it's had a huge impact when I look back at it because it's... And 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 I've told this before, I fell into it. I thought I was just co-hosting one episode <laughs> <laughs> when, when I was first asked to be a part of it. I didn't know I was like signing on for 10 years, a whole decade. Um, but it always comes back to like many things in aviation does is I'm, I am a people person and it comes back to the people and all the people I've met. And because of those people, the experiences I've had, Um, you know, I I ended up having a semi-decent following on, you know, Twitter and Instagram. And, you know, that helped me, that following, my fellow pilots following me and encouraging me on there is what probably let, you know, NASA accept me every time I applied to, you know, a rocket launch event, because I had a platform and people listening to me to share, you know, NASA's advancements with, and, um... My career, you know, I, I'm in aircraft insurance and I just started, like, I just needed a job in aviation and I took it and I had a slight insurance background, but, um, because of the podcast and, um, the people, our listeners and you guys allowing me to talk about insurance when it, you know, fit within the topic, I was able to get more clients and grow my business and turn it into a career. so I, I really think the podcast has a lot to do with that because I was given a a platform for my voice. And uh, not to keep rambling, Turbo the flying dog, you know, i I funded um Turbo's children's books um on Kickstarter, and I'm sure many of our listeners were the ones that contributed, you know, it, it's, it's a known book within the aviation industry. Um, it's not a Disney movie yet, unfortunately, but, <laughs> um, because of the podcast, um, you've, you've helped me, uh, do all these things. So it's, 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 those are some selfish items, but it's also, it's, it's really down to the people because, when you love something you want to share it with others and you want to help others within the industry also succeed so thank you guys
1: well gosh victoria that was awesome i i really yeah, thank you i mean for all that you've brought you know and inspired everybody here uh, on the podcast and those that are listening uh there are benefits in in doing a podcast that's one of them obviously people ask you know why do you do it i said well I think it just inspires people, but yeah, I mean, obviously it's, it's benefited us financially from that respect and, uh, not that it's purposeful, but it's just kind of a, kind of a side benefit. So Eric, you know, as far as your, you know, how stuck my calf cast has influenced your aviation career, your, you know, your experience, how has it done that? How's it influenced you?
2: Well, the first thing that pops to mind is I have a whole bunch of friends that I didn't have before. So that's pretty awesome. Um, I, I have Turbo's books, and I love the books. I read them to my children when they were small.
0: Yeah.
2: Um, and I'm going to get to read them again to Wilson. there in his bookcase in his room. So as soon as he's seen the pictures, and he, he loves dogs anyway, so he's fascinated by this book that has the dog in it, so soon, um, he'll get uh, he'll get to explore that too. And I, I mean, better way to share aviation with your kids than through a through a book about a dog who flies. That's pretty awesome. So, um, you know, it, <laughs> I mean, first the first thing that pops in my head is just connections, real meaningful ones that I didn't have before. I mean, that that's been really awesome to me uh, throughout this entire time. I mean, obviously. Um, from, uh, from the Polk State Aerospace standpoint, um, I would say over the course of a year, um, 15 to 20 people who contact me about with interest or questions about the program are listeners, or at least they identify themselves as listeners. Um, there may be more, but those people actually tell me that they've listened to a podcast, and I still just think that is the craziest thing in the world. Um and they'll point like in this episode you you were talking about this thing and um usually usually somebody has some question about colorblindness because we talked about that a lot. But you know, like Victoria, um I was invited to be interviewed. I, I just I came to an episode um because um Carl invited me to come and talk about our college program um and what it was because it was brand new and I came on and did that. And I love chatting with you guys and it was so much fun. And then Carl's like, why don't you just come back a little bit? And Okay. So, and it just, it turned into this thing that I, if you had told me, you know, I guess nine or so years ago when I got involved in it, that, that this is what was going to happen. I, I wouldn't have believed you. I wouldn't have even thought that this, this level of, um, this level of impact was possible, but it's been, um, I think the most important thing for me has been, these uh these really great connections i've made with all of you guys it's been really cool just personally for me
1: yeah, and it's been uh, really cool for us too eric it's, it's uh from a personal basis so i'm glad you brought that up um, and just the personal interaction we have with the other people that are out there, listeners at air shows and, and that type of thing. Uh love to hear from you, the listener, as far as uh you know, how it's influenced you, StuckMikeAfcast. Just go to StuckMikeAfcast.com and and comment. Uh tell us how it's influenced you, how it's influenced and changed your life. It sure has changed our lives, uh here the the hosts and co-hosts of the podcast and uh and reach out to those that have been on on the podcast in the past. So here's the the next thing I wanna to get to is the future of Stuck My Avcast. Um, a lot of people ask me, you know, <clears throat> are you gonna continue on that type of thing? Yes, we as a matter of fact, we've decided we're gonna to try to Change up some things and try some new things. Uh, maybe a new editorial schedule. Uh, it may not be just the first and the fifteenth. Uh, it could be a video, that type of thing. Uh, YouTube, uh, YouTube.com/slash/StuckMikeAfcast. We have that channel. We've had it for years. Uh, we haven't done a ton with it, but the videos we've done it, put out there, I think, are really cool. Uh, I'd like to do more of that. Obviously, we had the thePilotReport.com, uh, and we're going to try to do some more of that. Some more of our discussions on video, uh, and some of the podcasts in, in video. Because, uh, you know, it's kind of how I got my start, is in video, A lot and some of the people don't know this, but, you know, I had a different career before this. My One of my first big paying jobs, I was in television production and uh for those of you in new jersey that are listening right now uh i was one of the original crew on not just rock and roll in new jersey with dick craig and uh we're what is it 36 years later and that show is still going on and uh i was one of the original uh cameraman and uh chiron guys on that on that show and that's why i've come back to this the whole video is that I absolutely it was something I loved, and now I can meld the two: aviation and the love of editing videos and uh, and that type, of, and audio and that type of thing. We've come a long way. We talk about things in in the environment. Uh, we used to have to get this tapes to speed and then start recording and then edit. You know, to get the tape to speed and and splice and dice, uh, degaussing tapes. We don't do that anymore. Uh, but it's really exciting to see all this new stuff happening. We're going to try to bring you some some new content uh, through the future of stuck Mike, whether it's a change. In our editorial schedule or uh, some more videos on YouTube we're definitely gonna put some of those out there and some of the archives because there's certain things we never actually put out and we're definitely gonna do that but anyway, with that said uh, let's move on to the after landing checklist First, before we get started, uh, just a big shout-out to our sponsor, uh, Spartan School of Aeronautics. You know, if you're ready for your aviation career to take off, please visit spartan.edu to ha- find out how you can accelerate your career in aviation. They have a coupon, by the way, Spartan. And if you go out to stuckmygavcast.com slash free... Uh, You can find out how you can get a free scholarships guide that can help you maybe make your dream of flight move forward through using that. It's a one-year access to a scholarships guide that has over $120 million in scholarships.
0: Our Picks of the Week.
1: Let's move on to the Picks of the Week. I'm going to start with the Picks of the Week uh here and one of the things that i was doing a couple of days ago was flying over the islands of the bahamas and one way we can help them out because of dorian uh there's still people trying to recover is maybe get out there and fly over to the Bahamas. it's right here at uh, at the, it's right off the coast of florida it's not far to get there and people are really you know like uh, kind of afraid of it they don't know what to do well it's really easy you can go out uh to their the bahamas tourism Uh, And website and find out more. They have lots of frequently asked questions out there. What kind of equipment do I need? What type of licensing do I need? Can I fly a light sport there? All those things are answered on this website here. Big shout out to Bahamas.com. It talks about getting here, private aviation, some frequently asked questions. I know there's a lot of guides out there, uh, but I really, this is where you start, is you start with Bahamas.com click on private aviation. It's an incredible and integral part uh, to the Bahamas. Uh, and having, you know, been all over the Bahamas and the islands, uh, I can say that, you know, they couldn't do what they're doing. And as far as a recovery without private aviation. So that's my pick of the week, bahamas.com. Uh, some frequently asked questions for private aviation. Moving on to our next pick of the week is uh, Victoria. What is your pick of the week?
3: My pick of the week is a new scholarship um, that will soon be available. It's a uh, 501c3 company that, um, sorry, organization um, that is currently collecting funds. Um, It's the Joyce Lynn Memorial Foundation. Uh, Joyce was a local pilot here in Frederick, and she gave her life last year um, flying uh, humanitarian flights for MAF. And um, she passed away um, in an aircraft accident delivering COVID supplies. Um, to areas that were remote and uh, did not have this, uh, supplies readily available, so there is, has been a uh, foundation created in her name, and the aim is to um, provide scholarships to pilots that are pursuing advanced ratings for um, humanitarian and civic flying. So you can find out um, more on that in the future. We're just they're just getting started. Um, it's Joyce Lynn Memorial dot com. Um, sorry, .org, and that's Joyce with a Y.
1: Awesome. Thanks for that, Victoria. Uh, and uh, Eric, what is your pick of the week?
2: So it's apropos because I just used this today.
1: Um, I
2: was working with a friend of mine who has been um, out of the cockpit for about five years and was a little rusty on the G1000. And so he came over and jumped in a sim with me, and we did some refresher and um, I picked up my iPad and showed him the Simeonic G1000 simulator. Um, it is one of my faves, both standalone on an iPad, or if you're one of those really high-end um, uh, at-home simulation users, you can get two iPads. I know that sounds awesome. Run a PFD and an MFD on two separate iPads and connect that to Microsoft Flight Sim or X-Plane and have a real G1000 on the panel, on the desk with you. Um, Touchscreen capable. If you use it standalone, there is a little embedded simulator, so you can make the little airplane fly around in the simulation environment really awesome if you're getting back into the G1000, just getting into it the first time, or, you know, brushing up your uh, instrument skills before an IPC or something like that. I love this thing, Um, and the PFD and MFD apps are each just $10 on the App Store. Um, So highly recommend Simeonic G1000 Simulator. It's one of my go-to's.
1: Awesome, Eric. That's terrific, and uh, I have to go check that out. Another thing that I'm gonna have to download uh, from our Picks of the Week. And by the way, Picks of the Week, you can find all of our past Picks of the Week over the past ten years by just going to StuckMikeAvcast.com, and we have them all listed there with links as to where you can purchase, view, whatever it may be. If it was a YouTube video, etc., they're all out there. Also, our past episodes. Check that page out. It goes all the way back to episode. Number one, and we have all of them listed there. It might answer one of your questions, but if you do have a question, go to stuckmikeavcast.com. Ask us there. There's many ways to find us online in social media: Facebook, Twitter, and uh, Instagram, and now YouTube. Uh, you know, youtube.com/stuckmikeavcast. Please subscribe out there. Uh, you know, we really appreciate your listening to this, but most importantly, after this 10 years and reflecting back on the 10 years, you know, we talk about what we've done uh, for aviation. And our experience is here. And just remember, if you're a pilot, future pilot, somebody who's involved in aviation, you too are an ambassador for aviation. And what I want to challenge you to do after you actually hit stop on this episode is to think about what you can do to help promote aviation in the next 10 years. Well, folks, we really appreciate your listening. We'll talk to you next episode. Safe flying out there.
0: You've been listening to the Stuck Mike Abcast.